Friends, our Old Testament lesson for this morning comes from Psalm 104. Would you listen with me for the word of God? Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers. Fire and flame are your ministers. You set the earth on its foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to use to bring forth food from the earth. O Lord, How manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Wow. Uh, How manifold are your works in all the earth. And just wait till you hear the story we're going to tell today. We're continuing our series, uh, Back to School, and sharing some of the uh, favorite stories that we've heard in Sunday school when we've grown up, and I'll bet this story is one you've heard in Sunday school. If you haven't, you're going to hear it today, either again or for the first time. I invite you to stand as we read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. See if you'll recognize the story. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. And then Jesus told them a parable. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them came to his father and said, Father, give me the share of the inheritance that will belong to me. And so the father divided his property between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that land, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough? And despair, and here I am dying of hunger. I will get up, and I will go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me back as one of your hired servants. And so he got up, and he went back to his father. But while he was still far away, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion. And his father ran to him and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, he shouted to his slaves and said, quick, bring a robe, the very best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and then go and kill the fatted calf and let us feast and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and has been found. And so they began to celebrate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, the uh, older son was out in the field. And when he came and drew near to the house, he heard music. And dancing. And he called to one of the slaves and said, What is going on here? And the slave responded, Your brother has come back, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Ha! The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. The father came out and pleaded with him, But the older son said, no, you listen to me. All these years I have been working like a slave for you and never once disobeyed your command. And yet, when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property on prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. The father said, son, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead, and he has come to life. He was lost, and he has been found. Once again, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Wow. I'll tell you what, if you were to, to press me to uh, identify the favorite text that I have from the Gospels, it would be this text. The story of the father and his two sons, both of whom were spiritually impoverished, The one impoverished by singing, I'll do it my way. And the other son, whose favorite song was, I did everything the right way. Well, usually the parable is named the parable of the prodigal son. Because Christians for centuries have missed the point, thinking that Jesus was talking about the wayward people who are are sinful in nature. And of course, everybody wants to know what it was this younger son did. Inquiring minds want to know. And his older brother is often called the righteous son because he was the hardworking boy who stayed faithful and he stayed home. Baloney. He was one of the best hypocrites in the Gospels. Hmm. This parable comes 
at the end of a string of three Gospels in Luke chapter 15. Their points are the same, and we continue to miss the point time after time. Now, in our Bibles, they're standardly named. Uh, the first one, the, the parable of the lost sheep. The second one is the parable of the lost coin. And this one is often called the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Yes, in fact, in the first parable, there is a lamb that turns up missing. And in the second parable, there is a coin that is lost. And in the third parable, there are two sons who uh, are otherwise estranged from their father, if you will. But please know that if you hang on to these conceptions, that these are the main characters of the story, that you're missing the point, the whole point. In the first of the three parables, the main character is not the lamb that wandered away from the fold, but the shepherd. The shepherd who searched with abandon and wouldn't quit until he found that lost lamb. On the second one, yeah, there is a, a coin that turns up missing, but it's, it, it's more than that. It's about a woman who lit a lamp and wouldn't quit searching. She shuffled the furniture until she found her lost coin. Mr. Chairman, I move that we rename the first parable, the parable of the shepherd who looks until he finds. And Madam Chairwoman, I move that we rename the second parable to the parable of the woman who wouldn't quit until she found. For God is like this shepherd, and God is like this woman. And the last one is, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's often called the parable of the prodigal son. Mr. Chairman, I move that we rename this parable to the parable of the prodigal God. You know, you look it up in Webster's Dictionary. Go ahead, look it up, look it up. Nowhere in Webster's Dictionary does it defined prodigal as wayward or sinful. Instead, the words are, are lavish, extravagant, reckless. And if we look at these stories, we find, yeah, there's something very extravagant and reckless about the main characters. The whole point is in the hands of God. It's as if, uh, forget the inheritance that the son had wasted. Forget the wine and the women. Forget the fighting that started all. What matters here? He's home. Or the older son. Forget the self-pity. Forget the self-deprecating martyr complex who said, I've served all these. You know, I've been in ministry 45 years, and by now, you ought to be listening to me. Forget all that. What's important here? He's home. He's home. 
And we discover that it doesn't really matter whether you're sitting in the pew or sitting in the gutter. There is a God who comes after us. And no wonder the psalmist wrote Psalm 23 with words that talk about this very thing. Now, in our translation, it doesn't always catch the the point at the end when we say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, you go back and study the Hebrew, which I'm not very good at. I didn't make good grades in that in seminary. But I have learned this much, that the Hebrew word that we translate follow denotes more than that. It suggests that it comes after you. It searches for you. Like, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue you all the days of your life so that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hmm. Maybe that's no wonder why uh, uh, the Apostle Paul said that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he lists a whole bunch of things. And he said there's nothing in heaven or earth, nothing that can happen to us that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) Makes me think of the father as being one who after his son left uh, had a hole in his life And every day, he got out his binoculars and he scanned the horizon looking for the possibility that maybe his son would come home. And one day, while he's sitting on his porch reading his newspaper, drinking his nest tea, he picks up his binoculars once again and he scans the horizon. Whoa! And he focuses in on the form of one He could barely make out. But just like a mom can pick out the cry of their baby in a crowd of people, this father could tell by the way this young man walked. That was him! And he drops his newspaper, knocks over his iced tea, and runs down the steps and down the lane. And the neighbors are dropping their rakes and shutting off their lawnmowers and looking and saying, what got into this fella? And he's running full tilt toward the son who took everything by force and left. And he's running until he gets to his son. And what does he do? He throws his arms around him and kisses him. The son can hardly get a breath to say, Father, I, I, I have sinned against heaven. And you know what? You read the text. And in Jesus' telling of the story, the father doesn't even give the son a chance to finish his confession. Which is good news because we ought to be confessing our sins more often. We don't always know what to confess, but it wouldn't matter because God interrupts us in the middle of our confession with compassion and forgiveness. And he calls to his servants and say, bring a robe, bring my very best one. And when he puts that robe on him in those days, the putting on of a robe was the restoring of all of the rights and connections that family has for this young son who abandoned his family. Because what's important here? He's back. He's home. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and, and go and order 
a dozen super supreme pizzas and, and all of those 12 foot long submarine sandwiches and let us feast and have a party because this son of mine, huh, he was dead. But look, he's alive. He's alive. Now for one who has been in the ministry 45 years, now I want you all to know that because that's important. As I've learned so much, I know all the right answers to all the questions. And so you, you should pay attention when I talk. But these scoundrels that come in, they're dirty, they're smelly, and they mess up the pews. You know, we just had these pews steam cleaned this last week. Well, we don't want no dirty people coming in. <laughs> and that's why the Pharisees started grumbling. Because they wanted to keep the dirty people at bay until they cleaned up their lives and then they can come. And Jesus with this parable said, it don't matter. It don't matter where you come from. Some of you got some stains in your life. Some of you are carrying suitcases that are full of garbage and baggage rather than luggage. As you drag it along to try to, 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 to live your lives picture a benevolent and reckless and extravagant and prodigal God that is running toward you right now whether you're here in the pew practicing the faith or whether you're out in the gutter long gone can you just can you just picture a child in Sunday school listening to this story and hearing the teacher say God loves you no matter what. And that's the good news of the Bible. There's a book out, and um, uh, it's called The Prodigal God. It's written by Timothy Keller. He's also one that wrote uh, about the 23rd Psalm. And uh, it, it's a book that kind of fleshes this out. Well, now, when I was working on this message, and I told Jenny, uh, our adult education uh, director, I said, this is what I'm going to talk about. It's kind of like we're talking about the prodigal God. And she said, well, there's a book by that name. And I go, what? And she went in her office, and she pulled out this book, and she came and showed me. Now, wait a minute. I've been at this 45 years. I should have known that there was a book called The Prodigal God. But I didn't. And I go, how good is that? Someone beat me to it and wrote a book. Hey, by the way, if you would like to find out more about this reckless love and extravagant grace of Almighty God that applies to your life and mine, there's a, a list out there on the Welcome Center. You can write your name on it. And if there's people interested, we might just do a study on the prodigal God. Because we don't want you to miss the point. We don't want you to miss it. One of my buddies died yesterday. Bud Nossaman is his name. A wonderful gentleman. He was in his 80s. He learned he had cancer about a month ago, and his wife had died previously of cancer. And I said, well, Bud, how much time do you think you have? He said, well, from watching my wife, I think I got about a month. He was right. He went quickly. But he would say, 
Don't worry about me. This is what I've been practicing for all these years. And now it's the main event. And they go, man, if I knew what I was going to die of, I, I hope I can have that positive spirit. But he was at great peace. So whether you've been at this for 45 years or whether you're starting for the first time today, it's all about getting acquainted with the one whose love and grace comes after you and will not let you go and will one day welcome you to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Can you say that? God loves me no matter what. No matter what. And that's what the son who ran away learned, the son who stayed home learned, and hopefully everyone listening to Jesus' story was able to pick up that he was there just for them.